Hello, and welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast with Joe Lavelle and Dr. Glenn Winkle. On today's episode number 44, we are joined by Virtual Cycling's biggest fan, physical therapist Chris Schwinker, who is also the producer of Zoom Unique, a virtual cycling-focused website and newsletter, and he is the founder and president of the Dirt Dads Fund, a nonprofit that provides financial support to members of the Dirt Cycling Club, which is the largest cycling club on Zwift. As you know, I'm a big fan of Zwift, but Chris is the most passionate believer in virtual cycling for racing, camaraderie, and community. And he has the most incredible indoor cycling space I have ever seen. As we move toward winter, many cyclists will be looking to stay fit, stay connected to their cycling friends, and stay warm by shifting their riding indoors to participate in the ever-expanding worlds of virtual cycling. If you participate in virtual cycling or are thinking about giving it a try, you should listen in as Chris and I talk about Zwift, why Chris loves it so much, and what are his top tips for how to stay healthy, avoid injury, and have an easy transition to indoor cycling. All right, let's talk to Chris. All right, well, Chris, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to join you, Joe. I really am. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I've been following you here for a little bit and uh you're really quite an interesting fellow i'm you're the one then i'm anxious to hear more about your background and what your learnings and uh and even just how you got so involved in the zwift community but let me just say you are the only pt who has a really big presence uh in the zwift community I, i wonder if you could Tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get so involved with Zwift? Sure. Actually, it's, um, I'm very passionate about virtual cycling, uh, not, just, not just Zwift, but uh, all virtual cycling platforms. Okay. And I guess it stemmed out of um, a, a love of cycling in general. Um, I've always been involved in fitness and Cycling um, just evolved over time. I was heavy into weightlifting, heavy into powerlifting. I played uh, Division Three soccer, um, was recruited to play in college. Um, so I was always involved in fitness. And then yeah. um, as a, a very young uh, father, actually I shouldn't even say father, as a, as a, a married individual, um, my father passed away very young of, of a sudden cardiac episode. Oh. At that time, I was really lifting very heavy. I was I was big. I wasn't really into cardio. In fact, I would I would shun cardio because I, I wanted every single calorie that I consumed to go into building my muscles. And oh, sure. my wife was pregnant with my first child at the time, and my father never got to meet him. Oh. And I said to myself, "This is not the way to go for me. I need to start trimming down." So at that point, I weighed 192 pounds. And I didn't have an ounce of fat on me, right? You know, relatively. Holy mackerel. So I started doing this cardio. And one of the things I started to do was ride a bike. I said, this seems, this seems interesting. It seems like an efficient way to burn some calories. And much like every single thing that I do in my life, it evolved into basically what I, what I am now. I've raced up and down the East Coast, not at, not at a very high level, at an amateur level, but I've competed. I've done well in some races. I've I transformed my body and um, I've gotten as low as 128 pounds with body fat that was in, the, in you know, two to three percent at times. Um, oh. 
So, yeah, so, you know, I I made a a significant transition. Um, And now my son is 21 years old. And um, I've evolved into um, spending a great amount of time of riding my bicycle indoors. Yeah. You know, it it mainly was um, the genesis of the, the indoor cycling, the virtual cycling for me was that as a young father and also as a, as a private practice owner, um, the time that I had to exercise, which was a huge priority to me, um, was limited. And it was only limited to, to times when I wasn't devoting my 100% uh, focus to my family and my practice and, and doing the things that I needed to do for life. So my solution for that was to do all the things that I needed to do for my body and my mind before anybody in the house knew that I was gone. So that was getting up at four in the morning, training from 4.30 to 6, 6.30. Then when everyone gets going, I get going and then I'm off to the office. And then when I come back, I can devote my full attention to that. So that's the way it started. Well, I guess that's what sort of locked you into being inside because obviously it's dark at this time of day. Dark and cold also. I don't like being cold. I don't like being wet. I don't like any of that stuff. In addition to the fact that it's extremely dangerous in the area that I live in. Okay. So, and, I, and I tried all that stuff. You know, I did, I did century rides solo, you know, with 25 degrees and, and, and spit and rain. And I'm a firm believer that you only have a few of those in your, as a cyclist. <laughs> and I used a bowl line. So now I'm indoors and, Lo and behold, there's a whole community of guys that are, are just like me. And they created the cycling team. And now there are 10,000 members in that team. And, and we uh, were quite united. What's the name of the team you're on? The name of the team is, uh, the acronym is Team DIRT. And it's, it stands for Dad's Indoors Riding Trainers. I know of them. That's a, that's a good group. I join on, in on their rides off and on. Yeah, well, we're the, the largest uh, the largest team on Zwift right now. 10,000 members. Fantastic. Upwards of 10,000 members. Well, fantastic. And you uh, ride a lot. You told me off uh, tape here, 15,000 miles last year. Is that right? Those are the ones that, that are, are recorded on some sort of uh, cycling-related social media. So those are probably the only ones that actually count. But it, it's probably a few more than that. <laughs> Right, right. I guess I understand that. Not on Strava, it doesn't count. There you go. Not that it didn't count, it didn't happen. (laughs) Didn't happen. So I can't really, I can't speak authoritatively on those miles, but uh, a minimum of 15,000. Wow. Well, that's quite amazing. I I mean, I ride on Zwift myself. It all kind of started all around the time of the pandemic, but really, to be honest, it was a little before because we were moving into, it was that winter before the pandemic started. And I had decided that I was tired of freezing feet and being cold, trying to ride through the winter. You used up all those days, didn't you? You know, I just, I couldn't tolerate it as well, but I did when I didn't feel like I had an alternative. And then finally, even though I had known about Zwift, I just sort of put it away. I even tried, tried it once, like when it was brand new and it just didn't quite work for me. And the computer crashed and it was just, it was kind of a hassle, but I tried it again and it was much better. It had evolved, you know, in the, I don't know what, four years or so in the interim. And I found that it really was awesome. I mean, it didn't start off as a 
total replacement for riding outside. It just was a something to do in the wintertime. But I really found that it's it's great in lots of ways, not just that I don't have to go freeze. It's that you meet people and you ride with people and you're and it's a social experience. One, especially if you incorporate uh, like Discord and uh, the technologies that allow you to talk to people while you're riding with them. Heck, you can talk better on Zwift than you can out on the street without having to ride side by side and cars wanting to um, punish you for, for being too bold. Uh, so I, I totally understand why why you do it. Uh, I, I think especially now as we're moving into this next this winter, a lot of people are going to start coming into Zwift. Uh, I know plenty of people who turn their account off in the summertime and then they turn it back on when it's, it's winter again and they're going to be doing that. And lots of new people are going to be trying it out. And so uh, maybe we can uh, help some of those people out here, Chris. What do you think? That's one of my uh, primary motivations with uh, the, the side projects that I do at this point is to promote virtual cycling and, and get the um, traditional cyclists to open their eyes to that and realize that there is there is a virtual cycling community and it's not just a, a hamster on a wheel mentality anymore. Yeah. You know, being indoors and, and being warm and being safe and uh, – having lights to see is, is the reason why I started virtual cycling, but it's not the reason why I continued virtual cycling. It's not the reason why I do all of my riding indoors. Now it's the community. It's the, um, it's the camaraderie. It's the unity that I, that I feel, um, with the people that I speak to every day. And it's not only when I'm riding, I'm speaking to them all day. Um, they're, they're my friends now, you know, and the, Racing, if that's your thing, is as competitive or more than it than it um, was on the road for me. The teamwork is more cohesive um, than than it was on the road for me. the The utilization of technology to enhance the racing experience is far superior than anything that you would experience as an amateur on the road. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about one in every three races skidding across the pavement until you slow down because your your skin was no longer willing to succumb to friction. Yes, I'm well aware of the risks of crashing. I have been to the hospital on numerous occasions. I quit tree skiing and rock climbing so that I could live longer, and then I took up cycling and I went to and I started going to the hospital all the time. Yes, it's a, it's quite nice, and then eventually your your family members get sick of that, and they they yeah they they just um they tell you to call them when you're done. <laughs> well, and so uh, and and I will echo that um, racing on Zwift is really racing. It really is the same. It's it's not the identical thing. You can't. I don't think you learn how to race in the real world by learning how to race on Zwift, but you definitely get a lot of the same experience. It feels like racing. Uh, it is, uh, I mean, you definitely get the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, just like you would out in the real world. And you can get a murderous workout on Zwift. Um, that is certainly there, the there, it, there's no getting too bored and you can't tolerate it. Like maybe in the old days when you were just on a friction trainer. No, that certainly certainly is the case. I, I agree with you ninety five percent. The one thing that I do not agree with you on is that there are okay. definitely tactics on Swift. All right, my team and I, and and a lot of the teams that 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 I race for with that, that have experienced racers that 
know how to um, know how to raise funds with, know how to uh, utilize the drafting algorithm to their uh, yeah. full potential. Um, we use tactics. We we create breakaways. We chase down things. We are making moves. We run points races. We're strategizing based upon points and making the calculations as we're racing. Um, in fact, I, I participated great. in the uh, Zwift Racing League this morning, which was a points race, and we we absolutely did that. And we were sending guys up the road. We were sacrificing guys. We were making moves. We were, you know, the one of the beauties of Zwift is that you have all that technology at your fingertips. So now I'm in the final. I'm in the final group, and I'm able to turn to my computer and look at what the guy next to me can do for 15 seconds, and determine what mm-hmm. what I need to do in order to beat him in a in a one up sprint. Right, so you don't have you, you can't go over and reach uh, reach for the guy's Garmin that was riding next to you on the road. Right, he uh, it would probably very be a very risky um, situation uh, for a number of reasons. Um, but you know that that is one aspect that's unique to virtual cycling that adds a dimension that you don't get on the road, and that's just one of the many. And I'm not you know I'm not here to say that you know it's it's superior or it's better or worse. It's it's different and it's unique and it's something that um, if you don't experience it just because you're closed-minded you are missing out on a lot right yep people should try it i totally agree my first big question for you chris you as a physical therapy professional what's your advice to the cyclist who is going to transition from riding out in the real world to riding indoors and you know and maybe it's on swift but you know whatever some virtual thing or just some training program, but they're going to be on a, essentially a bike that's on a trainer or a stationary bike from a physical stress perspective. How is it different? Are there things that people can do to avoid um, maybe getting injured or avoid pain that um, maybe comes from such a transition? Okay. So there there are a number of different things that I would would say um, to answer that question. Um, the, The first thing is that um, a proper bike fit is always a great idea. Okay. So yeah, yeah. a lot of people, they, um, they don't necessarily use their outdoor bike indoors. And that can uh. be, that can be problematic because once you change any of the parameters that are involved in, in your, in your cycling setup, it changes things for you, um, musculoskeletally and, and the, 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 uh, you know, the interfaces between you and your bike are different. Okay. And because cycling is so repetitive, it does um, set you up for repetitive use injuries and, and other things like that. Okay. Um, the other thing about um, riding indoors and, and utilizing virtual platforms is that, and studies have shown this, and I've written about a few of them, that the, the motivation factor is enhanced. So um, because you're riding with other people and there are other people around you, whether they're in the same room or you are, as you are not, or on the same road as you are not. When you're in the presence of other people, you are you become very competitive, and because of that, you become highly motivated, and you have a tendency to ride harder than you should more often. All right. And it's very important to realize that recovery is is as important as the training days. In fact, some of the time, it's more important than training days. So that's something you really have to take into account. The fact that you have to recover. You shouldn't be pushing every day. You need to periodize your training. You know, you need to be sensible about, sensible about what you do. Um, but otherwise, you know, the, the same exact advice that I would give somebody who rides exclusively on the road, I would give to the people who ride indoors. 
You have to make sure that your flexibility is good. You have to make sure that your your muscle imbalances are being addressed. You have to make sure your core strength is is addressed in, a, in as strong as possible. Um, you know the 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 difference is, and I know that 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 I, I'm sure that you're um, kind of um, hinting towards this is that it's a very static um, environment when you ride indoors. There's not a lot of movement of the bike that you would get outdoors. There are ways to it to um, to change that. You know there are cycling setups that. Um, mimic um, the inclination and declination that you would find in outdoors and the front of your bike goes up and down according to the, to the, okay. the course that you ride on. That's, that's called a, um, as a product that's created by Wahoo that allows you to do that. It's actually quite neat. Okay. I have one of those. And, and one of the main reasons why I did it was because you, you do want to you know, vary your position and change like that. So um, you want to make yeah. sure that your, your, your saddle is, is appropriate for you um, and you want to make sure that everything is set in a way that you're able to to ride and be relaxed and and not have any stress or strain at any place. Yeah, one of the experiences I had, maybe you can speak to this, was that when I'm out, when I'm riding outside, I'm I'm moving. You know, I'm out of the saddle, I'm down, I'm I'm you know sliding up and back, and so I'm moving around on the saddle pretty often. Um, but when I was riding indoors i was actually pretty static i wasn't moving around on the saddle much and so my saddle which never gave me any trouble i mean for uh, multiple hour long rides no saddle problems but riding for say an hour and a half or two hours on a indoor trainer i'm dying yeah and so i had to learn some tricks what do you have to say about that um, I, I 100% agree with um, with your experience. I know that that does happen to a lot of people. It doesn't happen to me, um, but I have a feeling that my uh, my those parts have been conditioned over many miles, over many hours, over many years. Yeah. Um, and even if it did, I would deny that it occurred anyway. Um, but anyway, okay. so, um, that's that, that's just the, the uh, cycling mentality, and, and of course, I'm joking, but. Um, you know the the getting up out of the saddle every you know for for certain intervals, um, adjusting your weight, um, doing those things. And that's one of the one of the advantages to indoor cycling is that you don't have to worry about being in an arrow position. So you can sit upright, you can you can keep your hands on on the the hoods, you can keep your hands in the drops, you can do whatever. And it's not going to really affect your your performance at all. Um, you know, relatively. What I'm saying based upon um, you know the coefficient of uh, of gravity and, and other things. Um, but anyway, yeah. so. Um, that's one of the ways that you can do it. But, you know, if, if you were, um, the cycling coach for a big, big time trial, let's just say Fabian Cancellara, right. And he, and you, and your coach said to you, you're going to go out and do a two hour time trial. Would Fabian, would the coach tell Fabian ideally to not change his position one millimeter if that was possible? I have no idea what they would tell him. I think it would because they want to put him in the most efficient position possible, and that way there there is no risk of there there ever being any loss of um, efficiency, any loss of power, any loss of anything. So okay. you know, in, in an ideal world, that's the way it would be. It's not it's not realistic, of course, but you un- you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah. We, uh, it's a, a the 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 comfort factor is a huge factor, and in a lot of ways, you can address it in- indoors by by doing a number of different things. And, and one of the things is that if you need to get off the bike for two seconds, you just do it. You don't have to worry about your friends riding down the road without you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There is a, a, an analog to 
Swift and and the, your friends riding off down the road is because if you're in a ride with a group of people, they actually do ride off without you. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, you, and maybe they'll just do another lap and come back around and you can wait for them. But Or a lot of these rides have a, have a late a late entry feature where you can log out and log back in and it, it puts you right next to them. Yeah, that's a good point. A good point. Well, awesome. You know, so um, there are some other things like there, the steering is something that is not involved. I, I think there is a Stereo or some product. Right. It's called, it's called the Sturzo, but it really hasn't, uh, hasn't caught on really. Yeah. Uh, they have some races where it's enabled, but mostly I think it's disabled for racing and, and it doesn't really do much. Yeah, I've yet to be uh, involved in a race where it was enabled. Um, and I've, I've, I've rarely ever come up on anybody when I'm free riding or just training that's actually using it. Yeah. And then the side to side is, is the other thing. Cause you're in a fixed trainer. Now you were talking about things you could do and that's like rocker plates where you put the trainer yeah. and the bike on top of a plate that moves and they can move in all different directions. They can just sort of like be on top of like rubber balls where as you lean on it, 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 it leans as you put weight on it, it'll lean over. And, and I've even seen some that, that are on tracks and they mm-hmm. go forward and backwards. Right. And so the, there's opportunities to spend more money and have a better experience. I think it's all, you know, it's all bred out of uh, the, uh, a, a want or a need to try to replicate the outdoor experience as much as possible for people. Yeah. That's one of the ways that it can happen. I, I for one, do, I don't have a rocker plate. I do have the, 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 the climb that makes my the bike go up and down in the front. But I'm also, you know, I fancy myself a climber. So that's something that, that's important. Right. But otherwise, I've basically, I built a, a platform and I strapped my trainer down to it and I strap everything down. So every ounce of power that I put in the pedals ends up in that, that trainer somehow. None of, none of it gets lost to any movement otherwise. Right. Well, that's, that's the goal for sure. Let's talk a little bit about your physical therapy advice for people. I, I don't think we have quite mentioned here in our discussion all of the various things that you're doing for your own audience. Uh, you've got the Dirt Club that you're with, and you do the nonprofit as a part of that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a chance to talk about that here later. You do a, a newsletter, and you've got a, a website full of resources, and a lot of the resources have to do with, you know, like preventing injury or dealing with injuries or dealing with pain and, and that sort of thing. And that's, uh, I know how to say it. Give me just a moment here. Zamunike, Zamunike. Very good. Yeah, the, the Zamunike is is, uh, is my fitness and virtual cycling um, blog site that I created uh, a few months ago. Yeah. And that came out of um, uh, my motivation to uh, give back to my bicycle for all the great experiences that it's provided me. So I'm very fortunate yeah. I've had a practice and, and through the, uh, the good fortune of some fairly sound decisions and some good luck, it's, uh, it's provided me the opportunity to have flexibility and to, to be independent in a lot of areas. And, and one is um, my ability, the ability to ride my bike all over. And the other is to take time to, to write some things. I've always been um, really interested in writing and I would always joke that it, that I would have been a, a, a reporter or a writer if I hadn't been so into fitness and, and other things. So um, yeah. now I have the opportunity to combine the two and to 
help out people in the process and, and promote, uh, you know, the things that I'm passionate about, which is, you know, cycling in general, virtual cycling, um, and, you know, the just general fitness and wellness and, and utilizing exercise to, um, just enhance yourself as a person. Right. And in the past and to some extent, currently you were a physical therapist, are a physical therapist and, but also run a physical therapy practice. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Well, I have a, um, a, a independently owned private practice. I've been in private practice for 20 years. Yeah. I have employees, I have therapists. Um, my wife and I, my wife is an RN. Um, and after our children were born, she, um, she didn't continue the practice, um, nursing. Um, she raised the kids and then we, um, went into, we built up the practice together. So she and I, she's the oh, office. Nice. She's the one that does all the work basically. Right. And, and at this point I have, a, a, a really loyal and incredible, um, set of, uh, employees and staff that, um, are really great to me and they, they make me look good every day. Well, sounds like the ideal situation. Uh, getting back to all of the learnings that you have, uh, uh, acquired, um, in your work there. Um, uh, um, would I be right in saying that your practice was about more than just like recovery and helping people to rehabilitate from injury? Um, but you were also helping them maybe prevent injuries and, and improve performance. I would have to say that my practice is primarily education and prevention and uh-huh. the recovery, recuperation, and rehabilitation is, is secondary to that. But as physical okay. therapists, you know, my, my primary goal, at least it is for me, is to um, try to determine what the root cause of the problem is and then through lifestyle changes or otherwise prevent it from happening in the future. You know, I see, you know, I see a decent number of athletes, but that's not a huge um, portion of my clientele. You know, we have a general practice okay. and, you know, Sometimes it's more rewarding for me to, to have somebody who's spent a month in the hospital and can barely move a muscle um, walk out of my office like nothing ever happened. And when, when people ask him if anything did, they say, I don't remember. Um, you know, that, that's what's most rewarding to me. You know, I can make somebody, you know, run faster who's already fast. But if you can make somebody walk who can't get up out of bed, I think that's a much more, much more rewarding. Sure. Well, I can appreciate that. For our, the audience here listening to the Wise Athletes podcast is uh, generally older athletes who are, except for those unfortunate visits to the hospital, they're, they're generally healthy, but they would like to be stronger, uh, you know, or maybe they, they get injured periodically and they'd like to figure out how to, uh, you know, avoid that. Or, so, they're, you know, they're looking for performance enhancement opportunities Injury prevention, you know, improved resiliency, I think, falls sort of within that, you know, expanded mm-hmm. bubble of, uh, of information. So focusing on that kind of a thing, and, and, and I suppose some of that knowledge that you have comes from your own personal experience and, you know, your own journey uh, as an athlete. I'm still sort of stunned that you went from I can't remember the exact numbers, but something like 190 pounds with no body fat to 130 pounds with no body fat. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it obviously didn't happen overnight, but um, yeah, that's uh, yes, that's uh, the, the the form matches function uh, situation, and 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 being um, extremely self motivated and diligent and uh, very disciplined in what you do. Um, 
and you know to sometimes to to an extreme extreme level but never anything that that was unhealthy in my mind you know people have said to me you're you're obsessed with cycling i say absolutely it's a healthy obsession and i'm proud of it um and i wouldn't change this thing um but yeah you know the you know physical therapy is a an incredible profession and i always um knew that i was going to do something health related that that was related in some way to athletics or promoting um healthy lifestyle for people so, you know, the specifics of things that, that, that prolong our lives, our sporting lives, our recreational athletic lives as masters athletes is maintaining um, a certain level of fitness. And it's important, especially as cyclists, to vary what we do. Like a lot of cyclists, they want to get on their bikes, they want to ride all day, and they could care less about doing anything else. But it's extremely detrimental and it's not beneficial. Um, we need to do other things, right? We need to do things that are that cause us to, to be able to, to wait there. You know, cyclists are, are prone to osteoporosis, osteopenia, um, low bone, bone mass density because cycling isn't really a weight-bearing sport. So it's really important that we, we do some sort of strength training, some sort of um, something that, that provides load-bearing stress to our joints and bones. Um, in addition to the fact that Every, um, you know, every decade after the age of 50, we, we're losing muscle mass. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's at about 5% a decade, which is, you know, that's, that's a pretty pretty significant number. You know, sarcopenia is a, is a, a normal sure. effect of aging, and it can be combated if you address it with um, resistance training, strength training. Um, so it's, it's really important. You know, the, you know, cyclists are really great at, you know, riding their bikes and pedaling in circles, but... As soon as you take that away from them and, and you try to get them to do other things, then, then the wheels fall off. Right? And I remember one time I, used to, I got to the point where I was riding so much that when I, when I tried to go take a walk, it felt weird. You know, so, you know it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really important that, uh, that we, we do these things um, and in order to maintain general health and also to be able to uh, perform at a high level. Yeah, and um, be able to stand up straight when you're not sitting on a bicycle. Um, well, you know, um, I have a, there's a large to... portion of the Zimunike that that's um, dedicated strictly to uh, different core strengthening progressions and the importance of that. And you know, the, the one of the things that, that I always take for granted is that 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 athletes have a baseline knowledge of exercise and exercise science and exercise physiology, just because. I think that that's something that, that you know, that, that's just like common knowledge to everybody. And of course it's not. And you're, it, I'm always amazed that when people ask me, you know, different exercises to do, a, you know, it, when they're an athlete, I think I need to like figure out some secret exercise that they've never learned before when it, when it comes, turns out that they, they're doing exercises that, that I would give my, uh, my 80 year old hip replacement patients because they just, they, they don't do anything else, hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it doesn't take a lot but it has to be done and core strengthening, um, resistance training, flexibility, maintaining muscle, um, imbalances, you know, trying, you know, trying to eliminate muscle imbalances and identifying them. And, and these things are, are essential, um, for us to, to continue to enjoy the sport that we love, whatever it may be. Yeah. Any other tips, things that people should do? And then we'll, we'll talk about things that they should avoid doing. 
Um, well, you know, cycling in particular, um, there are certain muscle groups that are extremely important. Um, they're, they're, and because you're in a, 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 your trunk is in a flexed posture for a prolonged period of time, you um, experience what is considered adaptive shortening of the muscles in the front of your trunk area. So your hip flexors get shorter. And there are studies that show that, that when you're utilizing those muscles in a shortened position, that it actually accelerates the, the rate at which they lose their flexibility. Now, oh. and the, the inverse of that is the muscles on the, the opposite um, end of, your, of, your, of that flexed posture, like your glutes, your, your hip rotators, your spinal extensor muscles. They, they um, experience what's considered reciprocal inhibition, whereas they, they get shut off because they're in a, a constant lengthened position. Um, so they, they no longer fire and react the way that they should. So, you know, it's really important as cyclists to try to combat that flexion posture by um, opening up your, your hips, you know, working on in, improving the flexibility in those, those hip flexors um, and then the hamstrings and then really doing some focus strengthening on the, the posterior muscle groups like the glutes, the, the, the spinal extensors, um, the core in general. Um, so those are, those are uh, two really important concepts that as a cyclist um, you really should be focusing on. Extremely. Yeah, I wonder if there are some specific exercises or, or um, you know, things that people could do. Maybe it's, you know, go for a hike that would serve to accomplish what you're saying people should do. Well, you know, the um, I don't know um, if you're familiar with Phil Cavell, but he wrote, recently wrote a book called The Midlife Cyclist. No. Save the name again, I'm sorry. It's called The, the Midlife Cyclist. And Phil, okay. Phil Cavell is a, is a very famous bike fitter. Oh, okay. um, he actually is a bike fitter for a number of uh, pro teams and uh, out of the UK and a lot of his concepts, you know, you know, bike fitting and uh, you know, the pedal stroke and things is, is very controversial. Everybody seems to think that they know the best way to do it when really there are very few people that understand it really well because there are so many variables involved. Um, yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, he has a pretty good handle on it and he put a lot of it on, on paper and his, his concept is that as master cyclists, we're basically, um, we're exercise pioneers because evolutionarily there, you know, there weren't any athletes that lived this long to, to study because, mm -hmm. you know, in the caveman era, you know, the, no, nobody lived this long. And then in, in future, you know, prior generations, people our age thought that exercise was the devil and that you should stay away from it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he, you know, it's very interesting that he says that, but what I'm getting to is that he, um, very much thinks that exercises like Nordic hiking, where you're utilizing poles, so you're mm -hmm. like a, almost like a like a four wheel drive going up a hill, is a really great cross training exercise for for cycling. Yeah. So you're using your upper body, and, your and you're body. in a more upright position, right? And because you're you're on an incline, it, it, it causes you to fully extend your trunk and and other things to try to combat that flexion posture. Okay, so um, anybody who uh, lives in a wintry place and can uh, do um, cross-country skiing right, that's uh, uphill, then that would be one thing they could do. Yeah, and I wrote a, I wrote a review on the book. It's, it's, it's in the Zemunike. It's a, it's a really great book, and I recommend it. Well, maybe we can get a link to that article in your, I guess it's on your website at this point. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and um, and then any kind of articles that you think would be relevant to people who are interested in knowing what things that they could do 
Well, I don't know about you, Joe, but I think that every single article in this communique is relevant and important to people. There you go. We surely will be, uh, be sending people to your website, but as far as the show notes, we, yes. any in particular that you think are are relevant for the older athlete. Absolutely. And, and please say, you know, I'm, I'm humbled and flattered whenever anybody reads any of my articles. I really am. So, And I, and I have read uh, several of them so far, and you're obviously very knowledgeable about what you're talking about. So glad to get some of that information from you and get that in the show notes. So I guess we were talking about things that people should do. Would you have a similar list of things people should avoid? Um, well, you know, the, one of the things, that, are we speaking about virtual cycling in particular or, or just cycling in general? Well, start with the virtual and then, you know, anything else you think that people really ought to know, go ahead. Okay, well, the, the virtual cycling, one of the, the main things, and I, I wrote a couple articles upon it that were, were extremely popular because it really isn't something that, that people think about it is um, the air quality in the space that they exercise in. It's, a, it's extremely important, not only the temperature and the humidity, but the um, carbon dioxide level, um, the level of uh, particulates. So I, I did an experiment, an impromptu experiment. I, I, I got a hold of a, uh, an air quality meter, just a personal unit that you can use in your house. And, and I went into my, my workout area and I, and I jumped on a group ride with a bunch of guys and I, I told them what I was doing. And I asked one of them, you know, what is the, what is the, the uh, indoor um, space that you are presently riding in like, and he's like, okay, we well, got no windows. The doors are closed. It's not. So I tried to mimic that. Yeah. And the CO2 level in my gym went from a level that was considered acceptable to one that was considered um, dangerous in a very, very short period of time. And you wouldn't know it unless you actually monitored it. So um, the air quality in your workout space is extremely important. You know, the, there are, harmful chemicals that are and, and other um, irritants that are that are um, emitted by a washer dryer you know an oil burner and these are you know people just you know people are looking for the most out of the way space to, to plop their trainer in because they want it yeah. they don't want it to be an eyesore they want it to get in the way and wow. it can really be really really be dangerous for people so addressing the air quality is super important okay um, good tip also the the temperature and the humidity is incredibly important, not only for um, health and wellness, but also for performance. Your performance drops significantly. Oh, yeah. Well, when you're not riding outside and you don't get any of that natural wind from moving forward along the ground, if you don't have a fan, it's a horror. Got to have a fan. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've, I've taken it to an extreme because, you know, that's, it's, uh, you know, it's what I do. So I have a, 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 a high powered air, air filtration device. I have a air conditioner that, that, um, pulls air from the outside and also um, exhausts air to the, to the outdoors. That, that's extremely efficient that I use as well. Um, so, you know, those, those are, are really important things for people if, you're, if you want to do it in the, the most healthy and safe way. Um, but then awesome. also the, you know, the getting back to um, things that you should avoid. You should avoid riding a bike that isn't 100% properly professionally fit to you. Right. So if it's your old bike that you got fitted on 15 years ago and that's the one that you have on the trainer – then you're probably injuring yourself right. by switching to that bike exactly. for the winter. Yeah, that's, that's, that's extremely important. Um, you know, and it's, you know, there, there, there are a number of other things like, 
um, people don't think to address the the shoes that they wear, um, or and and even more importantly, the the structure of the of the the undersurface of your foot. Like you know, a lot of, you know, I, I always advocate the use of some sort of um, an, an insole or insert that you know the majority of the time that they're very flimsy that you get in cycling shoes. It's kind of a it's kind of a joke. Right. So it's really important to address that as well, and that'll that'll help lock in your right. your lower extremities in that way, and then just just keep yeah. everything functioning as, as efficiently as possible. And usually a fitter will deal with that. But if you've been self-fitting, then that's something to not ignore. Absolutely. Yeah, and any of the other things are to, you know, I think, you know, to avoid or avoid doing all the things that, that I've mentioned previously that you should do. Right. You know, right, so it's, right. it's kind of, it's, it's more of a prevention thing than, a, than an avoidance thing. You want to prepare. You don't want... You know, it's it's in some instances it's better to ask for forgiveness and then permission, but this isn't one of them. And if they're going to do Zwift, the whole gamification, especially early on, is very motivating because the higher you go, the more things you can buy, and the better the you know because you can actually get faster just by buying better stuff, and that comes from riding more, and so you're encouraged to ride more. And, right. and one of the best things you can get is a futuristic looking bicycle that takes an amazing amount of hours riding on Zwift in order to be able to get. And so people will really try to just go day after day, hours and hours, and they're not being careful about their recovery. So you had, you had talked about that for, and that's definitely something to watch out for. Absolutely. And then there's another, there's another element of that as well is that there are, there are periodic sprint points and there's a leaderboard and, you come up, you come up on those fairly periodically, and and you know, and to your, you know, invariably you want to race the guy next to you and get your name up on that leaderboard or or, or KOM segments and things like that. That you, you know, you, you have your occasional town line sign, but if you're out there by yourself, there's no real reason to go for it. It's true. It's a it's an interesting uh, mental discipline that really any cyclist has any athlete has got to be good at having a discipline around the intensity of their workout. And there's just something particularly hard about Zwift. I am embarrassed to even think about all the times that I went on and I was just going to spin my legs, zone one. And the next thing I know, my heart rate is up and I'm racing some group of people and not wanting to get dropped. And I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? I am totally not doing a recovery. Yeah, you told yourself you weren't going to do that, but you end up doing it. Yeah, and there, there are actual um, psychological reasons for that. And there have been studies done. And I, I've, uh, I, I wrote an article recently that I haven't published yet, but um, that there's research that, that suggests that there, there are reasons why. And um, we, we may just be um, adhering to the, the hardwired circuits in, that, in, our, uh, in our brains, and, and Zwift is, uh, has figured out a way to tap into those. Well, yeah, that's where I was going to go. It's not like Zwift is ignorant about this whole thing, and, and uh, you know, they're a, like a form of social media. They've, they know how to push our buttons and get us to like it more. So everybody is forewarned. Now, so they are forearmed to deal with that. I wonder there, if you could tell you us. Say again. There's a chance you might get hooked. Just be, beware. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, talking about getting hooked, you had talked about at one point before we started recording that you did what you called a Zwift Everest. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, actually, it's I, I, it's a, what's 
considered amongst uh, the virtual cycling world to be everything. And I, like I know that you know with um with the, the the recent pandemic situation that we've been in, it's very been uh, really popular amongst high level cyclists to do what's called everything. And it's basically you go out on the on the road and you pick a climb that's that you're able to yeah. do um, repeatedly, and you climb the 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 height that's equivalent to Mount Everest. And I think it's like 32,000 feet or something like that um, somewhere. And there's an actual association that, that certifies your ride and you get put on the list and you're, you're, you're on the, on the, the, the Everest thing, the wall of fame and all this other stuff. And you, you can buy merchandise that, that proves that you have. Um, 29,032 feet. Right. Okay. There you go. That, that's, that's a number that I should really know. Um, but I, I tried to put it out of my mind. So the, the, the virtual equivalent of that is what's called the V Everest thing, and it's also okay. recognized by the the sanctioning body that that um, that certifies Everest things. And the, the only difference is that um, when you're descending, you're allowed to get off your bike and stretch out, which certainly makes it a lot easier. And I'm not going to deny the fact that it doesn't. Um, but it's uh, going the uphill. The uphill part yeah. is the same as it would be outdoors. Yes, yes. And it's uh it takes a long time just like it does outdoors and the you feel it in your legs just like you would do in the outdoors and you go through the waves of of emotion and, and physical, mental, um, otherwise that you would outdoors as well. Um well, how long did it take you? Well, I, I woke up at two in the morning so that I could get a little bit of sustenance in my body and I started at, at around three. And I went for 12 hours. That's how long it took me was 12 hours. And, you know, it's, um, it's kind of, you say 12 hours, that's a lot. Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually a, 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 you know, okay time for, for somebody to do that. You know, there are some people it takes a really long time. Um, but there are other people that, that you know, that, that are way out of my league and, and maybe out of yours that, that do it in almost half the time. So um, it's, it's one of those things. But it's a challenge just like anything else. And, uh as a climber, like I had mentioned that, you know, I like to, you know, if, if you have to categorize yourself as a cyclist, as a climber or a sprinter, um, I'm certainly on the, on the, the climbing realm. And because of that, it was a challenge that I, that I felt that I had to achieve. Nice. Well, I have never attempted that. I have done, done there's a, a ride in uh, Colorado called the Triple Bypass, yeah. and that takes a while. I think I did that in um roughly seven hours but of course i was i got off the bike at least twice yeah. during that and stretched my legs and so but 12 hours yeah yeah that's uh, super tough and so i have heard of of uh, pros doing that and in real life mm -hmm. as well as in on zwift and people do that for fundraising um lots of times isn't that right yeah i think that they're you know anything um can, can be used as a fundraiser in essence, right? Um, but because it's such an extreme challenge, it, it's, um, it's something that people can get behind because a lot of people can't picture themselves doing it. So um, yeah. it, it, it certainly uh, allows you to be, you know, be united behind the person that does. Well, and you, interestingly, have a, a nonprofit associated with the, the Dirt Cycling Club and uh, you were telling me that somebody had done this, or did was it a twenty-four hour thing that was a fundraiser? Yeah, I, I, I created a charity um, based upon my um, virtual cycling team. It's called the Dirt Dad Fund. Okay, and you know, it's, it's based upon the concept that um, 
you know, that we're fathers. And then when you have a team that's, that's 10,000 strong, invariably there's somebody who's down on their luck or, or, or needs some help financially or otherwise. So um, th- what I decided was that, you know, in addition to um, being um, very much united in, in the, uh, in cycling and, and um, family as a priority, uh, these guys are also extremely proud um, and not willing to, to take handouts from people. So sure. what I decided was what I'm going to do is I'm going to create um, unique limited edition, one of a kind merchandise based upon um, the different logos and, and other branding with the dirt cycling team. And I'm going to s- sell that to our members and they're going to get, you know, this really great merchandise, high quality stuff that's unique and I'll sell it. Um, and all the proceeds will go into this dirt dad fund. And then when one of our members needs something, I'm going to help them out. So they're not actually getting a handout from anybody. They're getting the proceeds of this merchandise. So, so it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it was a way for me to, to help out people who are proud, but they need the help, but they don't want to ask for it. And it's easier to accept because I'm not handing out. And it's also easier to raise money because I don't have my hand out to other people, right? You're getting something in return. Um, so, you know, that was the, the whole concept behind the, the Dirt Dad Fund. And I'm really proud to say that our membership is extremely generous. The outpouring of support has been overwhelming. Um, we've been able to help so many people. Um, we, you know, one of our members, his, his wife got cancer and the, the only treatment was experimental. And he had to go to Mexico. So we gave him a bunch of money so that they could go do that. Um, unfortunately, one of our members decided to make the bad decision um, and go ride his bike outdoors and he never made it home. So we, uh-huh. we gave some money to his college, his kid's college fund. He's got a bunch of little kids at home. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. Um, that, and you know, a, a bunch of, we had another, another, um, one of our uh, members who, whose wife also needed some cancer treatment. We gave her money. And then we also do other things like, you know, not, not only, not only negative stuff, but also positive stuff. If it, you've had a, you know, a life event, you know, I, I send uh, edible arrangements to you know to to, to different um, to different people's homes to 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 thank them or to congratulate them or when they need a nice. little pick me up you know individual things like that so yeah you know it's just it's just kind of an extension of me wanting to give back to my bicycle and and all the the great people and unique experiences I've had because of it um, so and like I said I'm in the enviable position that I have the independence and you know to be able to work on these different things and. You know, a charity in a, in a lot of ways is a very thankless thing, you know, but it, but when it does thank you, it's, it makes up for all the, uh, the hard days of, of trying to, you know, you know, to, to balance the books and, and get a, get registered as a 501c3 charity with the government and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't trade it for, for a second. And the other thing that's, that's an incredible benefit is that um, my family is all on board with it. My my son is a uh, graphic arts and design major in college, so he does all the IT stuff for me. My wife, my wife and daughter are our distribution team. They take care of all the shipping and everything. My wife has become extremely adept at um, filling out customs forms and sending things. We just sent a package out to Malaysia the other day. Right, I guess that's true. You have team members all around the world, all over the world, all over the world. It's uh, it's. It, it's really overwhelming. It's it's incredible, and and the thing that that's that that is unique and great about virtual cycling is that you can ride with them as if they were in your in in your basement with you. That's a a nice little story there. Thanks for that. 
we've gotten through my list of things that I wanted to cover. Is there anything else that uh, you think that our audience would be better off knowing? Well, that's, that's, that is a, you know, a great question. Um, and you know, um, one of the things that I, that I love to speak about most is myself, but no, um, <laughs> no I, I think that, I think that we, we, we covered a, a lot of, uh, a lot of really important things here. And it, I, I want to make it really clear that of course it's, um, Virtual cycling is only a small facet of what is so great about our sport. You know, the, the, the bike is, is so appealing in so many different ways that you can just go out and just lose yourself in it, right? You, or yeah. you can go out and try to push the limits of your body and, and see where it can take you, you know, to, you, and push yourself and, and learn stuff about your body that you would never learn before. Or, you know, when I go on vacation, I take my bicycle with me. So, Thanks, um, really. Oh, absolutely. So I, you know, when you speak about doing the triple bypass, I, when, when I took my family, we went to um, Rocky Mountain National Park. I rode up Pikes Peak. I rode up and down Trail Ridge Road. Nice. I, I've ridden my bike all over Yellowstone Park. I rode it in between two bison, which really wasn't a smart idea. I, mm. rode, it, I rode it within about five feet of a black bear. Um, and when I was when I was doing that ride, I got to see two two pronghorn antelope sparring in a field as i was riding by and you know these things you, you you don't get this stuff when you're when you're driving in the in the uh the family truckster down the road you know but the on the other hand virtual cycling has a lot to add that if you don't experience it you're really missing out on so uh, but in you know also you know the other the other um facet of this that i devoted my life to is that in order to continue to enjoy your your sport whether it be cycling or otherwise you have to take care of the engine you got to you got to make sure that the that everything is as strong and when, and as maintained as possible, because you're joking yourself if you think that you can just ride your bike and that everything else will fall into place. Because that is not mm-hmm. the case. And as we get older, it becomes less and less of a realistic likelihood. Um, right. You know. So it's um, if you get nothing else out of this conversation between um, Joe and myself, that should be the the one thing that would be uh, paramount to you. Yeah, you know, the tagline for the podcast is athletic performance longevity. And, and that's just a made up phrase uh, that I came up with to try to make the point that we don't just want high performance today. We want to stay athletic and strong for a long time as a part of a long life. And uh, you're saying you got to take care of yourself. Well, yes, that makes sense. And cycling is a sport where, you, where it is a lifelong sport. And the, the advent and the popularity of, of virtual cycling makes it even more so. Um, you know, I, I expect to, to ride my bike until to my dying day, and hopefully I'm not dying when I'm on it. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, so, and, and you know, I'm going to be one of those guys that, that, you know, I'll probably have trouble walking, but when I get on my bike, it'll look like I have no issues at all. And I'm hoping <laughs> that is the case. I really do. Yes, and I'll be right there with you. I love riding my bike. In fact, I rode my bike earlier today on Zwift. Yeah, so did I. Actually, I raced my bike earlier today on Zwift, and I got to tell you that I, I felt like I was dead. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, Chris, well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to get some links from you so people can find you, find your website, find your newsletter, maybe find you on social media if you uh, participate in such things, and then people can reach out to you directly if uh, they have any more questions. So thanks again. I'd really like to thank you. It's, it's been an honor. It really has. You know, I, I hold you and what you're doing in really high regard. And it's, it's a highlight for me to be able to, uh, to speak with you for all this time and to, um, 
to be considered as somebody who who's who you think um, that my opinion means to, and that's really it really means a lot to me. And I thank you very much. Well, I appreciate those kind words. You have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Chris Schwenker about how to use virtual cycling to expand the joys of riding a bike. And thanks to Chris for taking some time to share his experience. You can find more information about Chris in the show notes. And while you're there, you can sign up to take a free fitness practices assessment, send us a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you're on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That'd be a great help. Thanks again.